Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 22 of the Elevate podcast, the podcast that's out to document and elevate the human experience through conscious conversation. I'm your host, Hayden Humphrey, and I'm incredibly excited to be sharing with you my conversation with Dan Zawacki. Dan is a certified EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System, implementer, of which there are only 75 in the entire world. He helps companies align their vision and culture, install accountability systems, and build a healthy, cohesive leadership team. Before starting this newest company, Dan's previous business was Lobstergram, which he started in 1987. Dan ran Lobstergram for over 30 years, building it into a $15 million company with no investors. Dan's main focus now is impact. He wants to help companies grow profitably and have them get there quicker, faster, and better. In this episode, we talk about Dan's work as one of the few certified EOS implementers in the world, valuable lessons he learned through the scaling of Lobstergram, and how to find a business partner that complements your skill sets. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Dan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on there, Aiden. Very excited to have you. How have things been for you recently? What have you been up to? Well, uh, let's see. I did a lot of honeydew stuff over the weekend with the, the wife in the backyard, getting that all together. So <laughs> that wasn't too much fun. Uh, been helping a lot of my clients out and actually friends of clients uh and that just makes you feel good uh when you can help other entrepreneurs out and business owners because uh when i found that the ones that just don't have structure are just having the hardest time overcoming this and so i've been doing these free little sessions to help people um and that just makes me feel really good uh awesome. so yeah, I thought it was going to be a little slower, actually, but uh, it's been really busy. Uh, I haven't lost any of my clients. They're all, you know, doing well, um, but I've spent a lot more time with them, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to help them out. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask was, you know, given the circumstances of everything that's happened recently, like, are there any trends that you're seeing in terms of the clients that you're working with? Um, anything that they're struggling with in particular, given current circumstances? Uh, yeah, I think that one of the things that I have taught my clients that's really, they they both, or both, all 15 of them have really focused on is that there is they feel good because they have a structure that operating system for their business mm-hmm. so as opposed to before they were just winging it you know here and there right i mean hey i was an entrepreneur for 30 years i winged it for <laughs> 20 probably <laughs> luckily it worked um and so even some of them who are actually they're having record sales they're just rocking and rolling and then i have others who literally overnight when they had to close 12 of their uh, retail stores down so they lost uh, 90 percent of their revenue just like that wow Um, 
but even them, they feel okay because they have the structure to weather the storm. And, uh, you know, they've had to make some pretty, pretty tough calls and decisions, but, you know, the, the key is to keep the organization alive so that you can hire everybody back. And that's pretty much the philosophy that we've taken. Yeah, nice. Um, and you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but um, I'd love for you to expound a little bit uh, on the the work that you do now, you know, more specifically with the entrepreneurial operating system and with Traction. Yeah. So Traction uh, or EOS slash the entrepreneur operating system is really about three things. Okay. Well, first of all, it's an operating system for your business. So when you say that, people go, what? You know, I mean, like, isn't that like software? Like, no, it's literally building the structure and accountability to achieve the vision of your company. Mm. Some people get it right away. Other people are just like, what? So it really, Gino Wickman, he, he developed this system. And uh, there actually is a book called Traction. And it's a phenomenal book. It's a best-selling business book, too. But there's three things involved, really, at the heart of, of EOS. And that's one is vision. So that's getting everyone in the organization aligned on the vision. What the hell do we do with this company? And I've actually, the first time I've, you know, sat in with the leadership team, um, sometimes I'll give them a blank piece of paper. I'll say, tell me in one sentence what this company does. And it is shocking the answers you get. These are people who have worked with each other for three, four, five years. So my job is to get everybody aligned on the vision and mm -hmm. to work on that. It sounds easy, but it isn't. The other part is traction. Right. And traction is just a sticky word for accountability and discipline. So what we do is we build the structure for or the accountability and the discipline so that everybody in the organization is achieving the vision and looking at the vision. And the healthy part is building a healthy team that actually wants to be around each other and hang out. You know, so many companies, they spend all this money making people smart, right? Hey, go to this webinar, go get a master's, read this, do this. Um, but they always, they just don't spend enough time building a healthy, cohesive team, right? Because if you got that, that's golden when people, they'll work harder, better, faster, stronger. And it, mm. it just, those three things really define EOS, vision, traction, and healthy. And that's really the, the basis of, of what I do. Yeah. It's In a very uh, simplified approach, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The piece that, that I love you shared around uh, vision and having everybody be on the same page. It's so interesting to hear that, you know, there are a, seemingly a lot of companies out there who have been in business for four or five, you know, plus years and still don't have a super strong, cohesive, like, hey, here's what we all do together. Um, and so I can imagine like how much of a game changer that is for those organizations to be able to say like, hey, we're aligning around this one particular thing. Um, and it stops the I don't know what the word I would use for it would be, but it's like all these power leaks, like these little leaks when people aren't actually all on the same page. Yeah, 
the the shiny object syndrome. Hey, mm-hmm. that looks like a great idea. Let's do that. And then everybody runs over and does that. And then the core of the business, which actually is paying all the bills, everybody forgets about that. Mm-hmm. And they just keep going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, one day they wake up and they go, wow, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. just imagine. Um, so I have companies that have seven employees. I have others that have 250 employees. No matter what size you are, if everyone, you know, that proverbial proverbial run in the same direction, right? It literally, when I see that happen, it is magic. And, you know, EOS has a, you know, we, the process we go through, it pretty much forces people to be aligned. And you have a decision, do you want to be part of the organization or not? If you don't, well, then you don't. So it kind of weeds out and smokes out the people that really don't want to be there in the beginning, Mm. which is pretty powerful. That's awesome. I can imagine too, you know, this whole idea of stability, like as the company gets larger and larger, if you don't actually have those foundational pieces in place, it's just, it's almost like a building and it's just going to get wobblier and wobblier the taller it gets. (laughs) You know, that is 100% true. That's a really a great way to phrase it. I'm going to steal that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Please. <laughs> uh, I'll give you credit. Okay. Um, but it, it's true if you don't have that structure. Uh, so it's interesting. I'm working, this is the first time, I'm working with a startup right now. Literally, uh, been working with them for about three months. Two guys. Great idea. Uh, their projections are about $20 million in three years. And they're going to do it. I mean, it's just that great of a a business. And they hired me because they know that without that structure, you know, they're going to bring out 120 some people in the next couple of years. If you don't have the structure already built, as opposed to winging it, you're you're right. That that 10th floor is going to start teetering. And then the 15th floor, boom, it's going to fall over. Yeah. Totally. And that happens so often. I mean, you know, you read about it and listen to it and it happens. It's very, it's more common than you think. Yeah. Um, With um, the EOS and traction, like how did you get involved in that originally or what attracted you to that? So that's an interesting question. So I had started a company called Lobstergram and lobstergram.com. This is, oh my God, this is an 87. Right, there was no internet, there was nothing, just pure guerrilla marketing. So, not only did I start a company, but I started an industry, a market. Nobody had uh, shipped seafood and lobsters around the country. And you know, I was 24, young, stupid, thought, hey, that's a good idea, I'll do that. So, that's what I did. And things went pretty good, not all the time. You know, being in the trenches like that teaches you a lot, the good stuff, the bad stuff, and then the really ugly stuff that you don't ever want to bring up. But actually, that now it helps me with my clients because if I see them run into a brick wall, I'll say, well, here's my experience, you know. Mm-hmm. So around the 25th year, I did it for 30 years, I started uh, not loving my company. and. I was, it was, my company was really outgrowing me is what it amounted to. And I did not have great systems. That's 
That's really the bottom line. I didn't even have, I didn't have an operating system. I didn't even know what the hell an operating system was. A friend of mine, uh, another entrepreneur, he's like, Dan, he goes, you got to read this book, Traction by Gina Wickman. It will change your life. And I'm like, what? Change my life? So he's a good friend of mine. I'm like, okay. So I read it and I, I don't ever read books twice. I read this damn book twice. And I said, I am going to implement this in my organization immediately. So I started kind of putting it together and it's called self-implementing. So I started self-implementing and I failed miserably, actually. <laughs> I'm what you call a visionary person. You know, uh -huh. I love big ideas. I love making the sales, you know, connecting the points, solving big problems. But I wasn't so good at really implementing those kind of things. Mm. And so basically I had my staff, my leadership team was five of us. And I came in and I said, this is what we're doing. I have this great PowerPoint all put together and I was so excited. And they're all pretty much like, yeah, okay. You know, okay. And it turned out that they basically were like, okay, that's just Dan. You know, he read this book and, uh, you know, we'll wait a month and he'll read another book. <laughs> and, uh, and then that'll be the next one. And it was true. You know, I was always trying to do stuff, but I still felt this was my passion because quite frankly, with all the PR that I had received, I mean, literally, Wall Street Journal three times, I was on QVC 500 times, ABC, NBC, I could, it's like crazy how much PR we got. People would call me up or email me, and they'd be like, Dan, how'd you do this? How'd you start a company? How'd you build this warehouse? How'd you do this? How'd you get on Sean Hannity's? you know, show, how'd you get on Howard Stern, all these things. And I would always take time and, and just answer their questions and try and help them. And it really felt good. And so when Lobstergram had its 30th anniversary, you would think that would be, that's pretty big, 30 years at a company. I mean, most yeah. fail well within the first couple of years. It's crazy. And here I am 30 years and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I felt really kind of bad for saying that because here I built this great company. It was a lot of fun. I was making way more than I should. Uh, had, you know, five weeks vacation, all the all this stuff you want you live for. But I just wasn't feeling fulfilled anymore. And I just kept thinking about traction, traction and being an implementer. So I, uh, I called Gino Wickman, went up to Detroit talked to him about it and just said, wow, that is this my calling. And so I decided to sell my company. Didn't know how long it would take. Uh, ended up selling it in under 90 days. Unbelievable. Really? Yeah. Really? And yeah, crazy. And then I had a warehouse in Maine that I thought would take a year to sell. Sold that in a hundred days. So literally, I'm thinking I got a year to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. And boom, three months, I'm there. So I 
decided to be uh, what we call a professional uh, implementer, where I teach the EOS process to companies. And I love it. I mean, it is my second passion. You know, most people they don't ever even find their first passion out there. And it is hard to do. Um, so I just feel lucky that I'm able to find my second passion in life. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first started, there was about uh, 275 professional implementers in the entire world. Wow. Uh, so it's not a whole lot of them. And my goal was to become a certified implementer. So out of that 275, there's about 75 who are professional, or excuse me, certified implementers, which mm -hmm. is the highest level you can get. So I'm one of about 75 of those uh, wow. as about four months ago. So that was a pretty cool thing. Uh, a good, uh, huge accomplishment for me and uh, really uh, made me feel really good. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's how I got, I mean, that's a long story, but that's how I got into EOS. Thanks. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. Amazing. Um, what do you, like, <clears throat> what do you think it is about this system or this knowledge base in particular that resonates with you so much? That's a good question. And what it is, it's a holistic approach to everything in your business. I mean, from the, all the way to the owners. So first of all, it, it works best with entrepreneurial companies, partnerships, you know, small to midsize. Uh, and, but it's a, it encompasses your entire organization, you know, everything. And there's a lot of company or a lot of systems out there. And there's not really many that have, I mean, Traction has been around for over 10 years now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's these systems, they come and go. This one's got legs and it really en encompasses every single part of your organization. But I think what the really the key part of it is, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, right? I have clients that are in uh, HVAC, heating, ventilating, air conditioning. I got others that are in IT. I got an attorneys in there. I've got ones that are... Um, wax centers where they do like waxing <laughs> not the kind of guys like and uh so really it doesn't matter what industry you're really in mm -hmm. it works for just about any vertical that you're in and i think the other thing what it does is it builds true accountability into the organization right so if if you're a person working at a company and you don't want to be accountable to anything or anybody uh, then you're going to get smoked out, right? Uh, and you shouldn't be in that at the organization anyways, right? If you're just there to collect a paycheck, guess what? There's a bunch of companies out there. Mm -hmm. So this really builds uh, and that vision component. Uh, and then, of course, there's these eight questions that we work on that are just critical that just really put it solid, uh, so it's between the accountability and the, the holistic approach that makes this such a great system to work on. And it's simple, okay? It's deceptively simple, though. But it is simple once you, you get it and you master it. Mm. It sounds like um, 
this idea of like systems thinking or systems theory, it sounds like this is a piece that's like at the core of all of those things. Like it's actually so foundational and so fundamental to like how businesses in a economic system function um, that like anything that comes after it just builds on top of an already incredibly strong foundation, which is exciting. Um, the thing that I get curious about with stuff like that, where you find something that really speaks to you and it's obviously you're passionate about the system and you're excited about the system. The thing that I find is when yeah. I find something like that, I tend to like learn a lot about myself in the process. Like I, I get to explore a part of myself or pieces of myself that I didn't know that were there. So mm -hmm. I'd be curious, like, what have you learned about yourself as you've gotten deeper into this implementation and into traction and into EOS? Okay. Well, one is I'm very passionate about it and I really believe in it. But the biggest thing is really it's so I'm a true visionary, right? I like to come up with the idea and then I'll, you know, kind of put together the process for it. Like, Nobody was shipping live lobsters before. So I had to figure that out, okay? Mm -hmm. And then I pretty much would give it to my, my operations people and have them do it. Of course, in the day when I was in my garage starting it, uh, it was pretty much I did everything. But as we got bigger, I really wasn't into the detail, the process parts of things, I think. Yeah. And so... EOS has really changed me and I really, I love process now. It might sound strange. So I went from, I didn't hate process, but to me it was kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll figure it out, whatever. But process is what EOS is about and what it does is if everybody's doing the same process, I don't care if it's making the widget, delivering the service, right? That's the only way you can scale. And you're gonna, if you scale, you're gonna have more profit, right? And that leads to less, less friction too, right? Because I remember I was in charge of sales, right? I was a sales guy. So a sales guy, they'll sell anything, right? So we're selling lobsters. I come across this deal where uh, they ask if we can do turkeys with Thanksgiving. So yeah. $100,000 program. I'm like, yeah, we can do turkeys. Sure. <laughs> so literally, $100,000 sale. I didn't know nothing about selling, getting logistics of turkeys, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm all excited. I, this is like in June or something, and I come back and tell my operations people, I go, oh, yeah, I just sold this big deal, you know, $100,000. And they're like, what is it? I go, we're going to sell frozen turkeys. <laughs> and I never, to this day, I'll for, never forget the look on their faces for like, are you shitting me? We don't know anything about turkeys. <laughs> so it ended up, they were right. Um, I didn't follow the process of seafood and lobsters and we ended up losing about $25,000 because I didn't know you, if you want turkeys for Thanksgiving, you pretty much have to May in May, maybe June have your turkey order in because they have to raise the turkeys. And, and if you don't, guess what? 
then you're going to have to pay. So literally, we we lost money. I ended up giving, I think, uh, like 3,000 turkeys to the Chicago Food Depository. Because no. it didn't, yeah, it was just a whole mess of things. So <laughs> process, it, you know, it, it keeps the salespeople, if you got a sales process, it keeps you on track. Yeah. If like, you have an operations process, it's going to keep you on track. So that's what I learned is to love process. And stay away from turkeys. <laughs> that's, my, that's a true turkey story too. Actually. I love that. I use that with all my clients when I'm talking about process because most companies, EOS, there's six key components. Every single issue your company has fits into six key components. It's a people component. It's the vision component. It's a process component, your data component, your, and your traction component, and issues component. So the process component is always the one everybody always pushes back. Oh, yeah, we got it. Where is it? Oh, it's in our head, you know. Or it's in Jim's head down, you know, at uh, the factory. He knows it. I'm like, okay, well, let's get it on paper. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, we don't need to do that, right? You know, mm-hmm. if you have a process and you want to oversell your company, you're going to get higher multiples by doing that. Yeah, that was a big takeaway. I finished uh, Built to Sell a couple of weeks ago, and that was one of the big uh, key lessons that I took from that was the idea of systemization, creating a process for everything. Like you're literally creating a machine that runs and operates by itself, and you just happen to be there to pull levers if necessary or replace a part or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, that is exactly what it does. And those six key components is what, uh, really, when I was saying, uh, you know, what I love about EOS, that's what the simple part of it is. Every, I remember Lobstergram, I'd come in every day, and I think there was like 27 different issues I had every day, you know, and it's like this, 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 there, there, right, you're going crazy. And when we had 122 people at our peak, oh, it was just killing me. And then when I realized that, no, you know, with EOS, there's six key components that every one of your issues, both good and bad, because there could be good issues, fall into. To me, that was literally therapy. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's not 27 buckets of shit out there. There's only six of these. I was just like, this, this is amazing. It's simple. That's, that's the other thing I wanted to make sure I told everybody out there. Yeah, totally. Um, well, can I, and and I imagine too, you know, even based on my experience and the folks that I've been connecting with is, I think in the beginning, there's this tendency for entrepreneurs to get to the place where their business is running them. Like they're then sort of like a slave to the business. Uh, and the thing that I, you know, hear you pointing to is being very clear about what's the process that we have put together? How does this thing run? Who's responsible for what? Who's accountable for what? Because um, not only does it make your life as an employee and as a business owner, I would imagine more peaceful and simpler. Oh, yeah. Um, but it also means that forward direction and forward momentum um, is easier. And I, I love the the example of the turkeys because it feels a lot more tangible. You're like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like why, how turkeys are different than lobsters. But it, I think it's interesting in a service-based business because sometimes it doesn't feel too too dissimilar. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, 
I could offer this thing and I, you know, it's not really related, but I can do it and it's sort of related. So I love the, I love that. No, it just makes it so much simpler to see like, Hey, it's really about picking one thing and focusing on that one thing in particular. Well, and that's what I, I tell all my clients. I go, be the best in your city, in your county, your state, or your country, or the world in one area, right? Spend mm-hmm. 90% of your time doing that, right? Because it's, an, you know, you're not going to spend 100% of your time. You know, take 10%, maybe that'll be your next spinoff, you know, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Still give you a little of that entrepreneurial spirit in there, too. But make sure you focus on what you do best. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the other thing I think what companies are, are doing, and, and you, just, you mentioned it, is that when a company starts to own you, right? And that happened to me. Uh, I, I didn't pay myself for the first four years. I paid other people. I mean, I was 27 years old. I was shoveling people's... Uh, uh, driveways. I was cutting their grass. I mean, I did anything for cash to survive. Um, and what I think people forget is pay yourself first. And I mean, there's no doubt about it. The first couple of years, you're going to work your ass off and that's just the way it is. Um, and you'll probably be undercapitalized, all that stuff too. And you're just going to have to work harder, but one of the things that I think as you start hiring people, uh, that's when the complexity starts coming in. And by having the processes, you know, it's one of the things I teach everyone, you know, less is more. My favorite saying is do less better, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean do a crappy job. Mm-hmm. Just take the complexity out of things because every time you add another layer of management or, or bring another person in, They have their idea, right? And they're going to add a little layer on, you know, and pretty soon after five years, you know, it's, you're just, your company's totally different. You're like, wait a second. This was a (laughs) real simple thing. We're going to put two lobsters in a box and ship it out by, you know, FedEx. How did Uh it get so complicated? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Calm it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've heard you mention a couple of times is you're very clear that your role is as a visionary, being able to put together the strategic vision, thinking at a high level, creating big ideas. Um, and I'd be curious how you have gone about getting yourself supported or creating partnerships with people who are able to do the more operational pieces like how have you actually you know articulated and defined like hey here's what I'm good at and then looked at here are the things that I need to hand off to somebody else so that's a really great question and this is something where I've literally have probably oh my gosh I've literally had it when I tell people this I've I've had some entrepreneurs actually cry and and I know so most companies are started by a visionary, all right? I don't know the percentage, I'm gonna say 80%, right? Because they have the idea, right? They're the ones who start it. And what happens once they grow, uh, and hopefully they grow, then they start having to be the manager, right? So 
we teach that there's two types of of people really there's visionaries and integrators mm. so the visionary is the person who flies around at 30,000 feet right they like the shake hands kiss the babies make close the big deals uh bend relations they're good at solving problems right i mean that's to start a company you just you have to be good at solving problems and they're good at seeing out in the future predicting but what they don't like including myself is that day-to-day -day grind right they don't like i'm speaking for probably all the visionaries out there in the trenches right and holding people accountable I always hated that. I always thought, hey, if I told someone how to do it, they would do it. Well, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> so what I realized, this was probably my 10th year or so. Uh, my sales were about $8 million maybe maybe-ish, somewhere in there. And I started to hate my company. Because as we were growing, now instead of being the visionary, you know, and worrying about just the sales and creating new new ideas with new lobster packages. Now I was forced to manage this team of six people. I think around that time we had maybe 50 some people and I had to manage all of them. Um, and I just was in a bad spot. And of course I talked to my wife about it and she knows everything. That's why we've been married for 30 years. And she's like, well, you need to get a president. I was like, Kai, you're right, I need help. So by pure luck, I hired a integrator who happened mm -hmm. to be a president. And guess what? He loved to do those things. He, he absolutely loved to be in the trenches, you know, making sure the trains ran on time. And, you know, he was like the, the conductor in the orchestra. He loved all that kind of stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it would, it just, it was a great fit and we, we ended up, uh, staying together for about 15 years. Uh, and you know, that was just amazing. So the point of the story is, first of all, you need to know if you're a visionary mm -hmm. and if you are, you gotta get an integrator. And if you're an integrator, you need to find a visionary to keep your company growing. Mm. And, uh, it's. It's just an amazing uh, phenomenon. Actually, Gina Wickman discovered that, mm -hmm. um, and it's so it's so true. I, and when I talk to clients, and they're just having such a hard time, and I I could usually tell meeting somebody with their visionary integrator within like five minutes of talking to them, mm. and then I can find out when where they're at in their business, and I'll ask them a couple questions of what what problems they're having. And I bring that up. Literally, I've had two grown men cry when wow. they found that out. I can imagine. It changed their like, totally changed their business. Totally. It's like yeah. a, I can, I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine that for someone that's in that position, it's almost like this, oh, there's this totally different way to do things. And this doesn't actually mean anything about me. <laughs> it just means that there's the support yeah. that I <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
I'd be curious too, you know, in, in, I, I understand that a lot of the work that you do is with companies that are not necessarily larger, but have multiple employees, you know, sometimes up to 250. Um, if someone was, you know, listening to the show and they were a solopreneur, uh, or somebody that was, you know, just getting started in their own business, um, from an integrator visionary perspective, like what, I guess, what sort of advice would you give them? Um, is there a time, you know, to say, hey, now's the time to go out and find somebody? Um, or how would you take kind of that conversation and apply it to somebody who is working for themselves? Yeah, oh, good, good, great question. And uh, there's a book called Rocket Fuel uh, by Mark Winters that really describes the visionary and the integrator role. We call it the V and the I. And so if you have a partner, right, you got two people, if you have two people that are visionaries, nothing good is going to happen. <laughs> Probably nothing's going to get done either. Yeah. The successful, what I have seen is that there's a visionary and an integrator. Most of the times they don't even know it. As a matter of fact, I'd say 90% of the time they don't know it. Things just work. But what the key is that you don't duplicate your efforts, right? So the visionary has five to seven roles they're accountable for, and the integrator has five to seven roles they're accountable for. And that's when you the magic happens with partners. If you're a solopreneur, right, you're by yourself, well, usually it's a cash issue. So I do, I have a couple, you know, smaller clients. I have, I have one client, it's five people. Uh, and what we do at EOS is we look six to 12 months out to predict what we need to do. And if, if the person is a visionary and they have, you know, enough sales that they can hire an integrator, that's one of the first things I do, you know, is to try and get that mm -hmm. and to make sure they hire the right person, uh, mm -hmm. make sure they have the right core values and, and those kind of things. That's a whole nother mm -hmm. thing. Um, but when you, when you, when I see that happening, it, it's just, it's amazing. You know, it's kind of like game on. It's a different company, mm -hmm. different culture. So, uh, the true successful companies, right? They all have a visionary and integrator, right? Mm. You know, uh, I always use the example of Disney, right? Everybody hears about Walt Disney, right? Walt was the guy, the visionary. His brother, Roy, was the integrator. Mm. And without Roy, none of uh, Walt's uh, visions, and holy cow, he has some great vision. Uh, would have ever gotten done. Mm. And even he admits that. Uh, mm. And so there's just a lot of, the, you'll see that in many different things, you know. Uh, you know, Jim Collins has wrote uh, about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's but, like, it strikes me as the yin and yang. Yeah. Like, frees you up to then just be able to like, I'm just going to go do the thing that I really love doing. I'm just going to stay in my zone of genius and you stay in your zone of genius and then <laughs> together we win. Yeah. Well, uh, that's called your unique ability. Mm. And uh, that's a Dan Sullivan uh, term, uh, mm. unique ability. And that's what we try and do is uh, 
you know, get everybody in the leadership team first aligned on their unique ability. And then everybody in the company, everybody in the world has a unique ability that they're great at. Uh, most people don't realize what their unique ability is. Mm-hmm. They probably never even heard about it. And it, you might be the best janitor in the world, right? You might be the best cleaning person out there. Uh, you might be one of the best people, uh, you know, in physics, whatever it might be, right? Or marketing, what, you know, the key is to really figure out what that is. And mm-hmm. that definitely takes some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious for you, well, one, what you see as your unique ability, uh, and then two, how you went about actually discovering that and understanding what that was. Well, that's a good question. You're giving me some hard questions there. So <laughs> what I found my unique ability at Lobstergram was uh, coming up with ideas, shipping lobsters. I did this in Chicago, so it wasn't like I did it in Maine. But what I found, I was great at PR and marketing. And that was my unique ability. And, you know, I was able to get on all these shows and everything for free. Uh, of course, I always would send them a couple lobsters afterwards. Um, and that was my unique ability there. And solving problems. So my unique ability now is really what I, I guess I always was, I was a teacher, right? So I teach my clients EOS, the system, right? I'm not a consultant, right? I teach them and I get them to master it. So eventually they don't need me. They can just, they run on EOS themselves. I'll call them up every once in a while, see how they're doing, have a drink with them or something, whatever. Uh, but I also found one of my unique abilities is to be a facilitator mm. and meaning that when I work with the leadership teams, cause that's who I start with, I have found that probably 90% of the time, the, the answer to the issue, solve the problem is in the room. And what a great facilitator does is gets it out of people's heads and discuss it and debate it. Uh, And that's one of the things that I found that um, that's my unique abilities. Nice. And for, if you were talking to somebody in these companies who maybe haven't heard of that before, or they don't necessarily know what it is, um, like what kinds of questions would you be asking or what kinds of things would you be having them doing for them to understand what their ability was? So, we have a tool, it's called the Delegate and Elevate tool, okay? And it's a very simple tool. Anybody could use it. And so just in your, in your head, everybody draw out quarters. Just make, you know, draw, take a piece of paper and draw it into quarters. So what you want to do is in the top left, you want to write down, the things that you love and you're great at, okay? And you do this over a period of a week or two weeks, okay? And then on the right top quadrant, you wanna write down the things that you're, you're good at and you like to do, 
okay? And those two quadrants are a good place to be, right? That's not bad. The bottom quadrants are hell, okay? So <laughs> one of those, the left bottom quadrant is you hate it and you suck at it and just want nothing to do with it. So the other quadrant is, this is hell too, it's where you don't like it, but you're good at it, right? It's one of those things where as your company, and that happened to me, right, as your company grew, you just were the person that was the go-to for that, and then you just hated doing it. Um, and those, the bottom quadrants, you just want to stay away from. The top mm -hmm. quadrants, that's what you want to do. And everything else, you want to delegate that to other people. Because guess what? The people that you want to do this to your team, right? And so the people that are that you want to delegate the things you hate to do, you want to look at their delegate and elevate. And guess what? They'll probably, some of them love to do the stuff that you hate. And that's mm -hmm. how the magic happens of delegating, right? Not just, I hear this all the time, oh, I'll just delegate that. Okay, well, what if you delegate it to somebody who's worse than you? Yeah. Which <laughs> happens all the time. You know, all hell's going to break loose. Mm, I love the quadrant system. I mean, one, because it's super understandable and easy. Um, and two, like it also, ha I think, gives people an opportunity to really take a close look at like their zone of genius, the thing that they really love doing and that they're great at. And I don't think that that's something that we're very regularly asked to take a look at. And, you know, it's funny, you were talking about the bottom two quadrants. And I was like, I feel like the vast majority of people find themselves in the bottom yeah. two quadrants. You are 100% right. And once they see that, they automatically go, oh, and you, you improve their lives. I mean, literally, you can improve their lives, right? And, and that is also one of the things that I love about EOS is just what it it helps businesses owners live a better life mm. and if they live a better life guess what all your employees are going to live a better life you know if you apply the principles at the top and bring them all the way down which is what we teach it's you know you got to start at the top right because if they're not all committed it's not going to work I love that. It's, um, I love this idea of making work more human. And I see that as a really important component of it. I mean, if you're, if you're on a runaway train and you feel like you have to do everything in your power just to keep it running, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to like actually ask those questions of, do I enjoy this or am I good at this? Or, you know, can I right. give this something else? But if it's, if it's consistent, well-paced growth on a machine that's functioning effectively. It's like you get a collective second to breathe and then have those higher level conversations about, you know, who do we want to really be as an organization and how do we want to support people internally to create the things that they really care about and have the lives that they want to have. It just, I feel like it just becomes a much more human conversation. Well, you're, you're exactly right. And it, it builds a better business. When everybody's in the right spot, uh, and you know, when, it makes it sound like it's really easy. It's really hard to do. I yeah. mean, 
it doesn't take a couple of months to do this. This takes mm-hmm. a couple of years to get everybody in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a bunch of different tools. We have over 30 different tools that we teach our, our my clients. Um, so I just want to tell people out there, just it takes time. You know, there is no, EOS is not a silver bullet. It's not a, you know, magic seminar. You know, it's not like you spend a couple hours and or read the traction book and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I know everything. Mm-hmm. That's what okay. I did. I read the traction book and failed miserably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was good because it made me what I am. It's, you know, I look at everything as building blocks, right? Mm-hmm. If I did not start Lobstergram from scratch and run it, I would not be as good as I am doing what I am right now, you know, because I'm a lot more believable. People are like, oh, wow. Yeah, he actually built a company and an industry and could make payroll at times, you know, and failed miserably on turkeys, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the... uh... One of the things you mentioned earlier was you had your first passion, you have your second passion, which is this. Uh, and I'd be curious if you have any idea what your third passion is or is going to be. Business-wise? Or, or just generally. Yeah. Uh, taking, well, I try and take Mondays and Fridays off now. So just Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So that's kind of, you know, spend more time with the family, a little more golfing. Uh, I do not see myself, uh, in another career. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it kind of sounds funny. I don't even consider what I do work right now. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, you know, you, well, you know, you've found the right passion mm-hmm. when you do that. I mean, I literally, since this whole horrible virus has gone on, I've been just, offering my help to people um, because I'm really good at identifying, discussing, and, and, and getting to the root of the issue, you know, mm-hmm. because most of them don't have the structure. They don't even, you know, we call it IDS, identify, discuss, and solve. And it's usually clients of mine, friends who own companies or a neighbor that owns a company. I'll spend an hour or two hours with them for free. I don't charge them. And just really identify what are those real root issues, you know? Yeah, right. Guess what? This virus is horrible. But guess what? You can't do nothing about it, right? Mm-hmm. We could do some right. defensive maneuvers, but it's there. And usually once you even say that, it just is like this huge weight lifts off them because they're like, yeah, I can't control that. All right. Well, let's focus and solve the issues that we can. All right, what's the other issues? Cash flow. Okay, we can solve cash flow. Nice, yeah, just looking at the things that you can control. It's a huge conversation that I have with my clients too. Granted, you know, I work with people on an individual basis, but this conversation, you know, commitment versus circumstances, like what are the things that, you know, I'm sure it's the exact same conversation that you're having with, with those folks. Like what's the commitment that you have in your business and the things that you want to create and the revenue that you want to create and the vision that you're looking to implement and what are the circumstances and this, you know, the virus, the pandemic, the anything that happens economically, it's all a set of circumstances and there's a lot of stuff that you can't really control or um, really impact at all. So it's just a question of, okay, <laughs> based on yeah. commitment, 
where does it there to go from here? Yeah. I mean, I simply, I'll write down, um, you know, I use my whiteboard and I'll write down, you know, here's just, I'll make it, you know, literally a T and they'll tell me all their issues. And, I'm, and secretly on one side, I write all the things they can control. And then on the other side, all the things you can't control. And then I'll write, can't control, can control. And then I take a big X and knock out five, six of their issues that are keeping them up at night. And I go, okay, we just solved those. And they're just like, what? <laughs> and it's just such a relief, you know? Yeah, I love it's that. Just, it makes me feel good. You know, it's just good karma. What are my Totally. Well, it's like being able to take your experience and training and giving them a gift. Cause I think that's the cool thing about those, that kind of awareness is that once you have it, you can't unsee it. It's mm -hmm. like once something you can't unsee it. So, you know, I, I'm sure it makes a huge difference for them in the moment. And then it's also really exciting to think about further, <laughs> further down the line when they run into something else and they're like, Hey, I'm just going to do the T, you know, that Dan did. And we'll just go through and take a look at, uh, you know, what I can control and can't control. Um, and it's just a, it's like a compounding, uh, gift you get to give people. Yeah. Uh, because most of the time people are so busy, they don't take the time to just think about their business you know mm -hmm. the typical you know you're always you know in your business right you're always working in it right and so what eos teaches us is to work on top of your business mm -hmm. i literally draw a head on the whiteboard and i put in you know inside of the head i go today we are not in the business we are working on our business today we're going to spend a full seven hours working on it. And it's amazing when people actually start thinking that way, right? Because they're always trying to solve the problem du jour, right? Oh, another problem today. Oh, darn, another problem. Boom, boom, boom. You know what? There's a lot of opportunities out there. Right now, there's a ton of opportunities out there. Yeah. Well, I imagine too, it, it keeps people reacting when you're looking at problems, you're just reacting, reacting, reacting. You're then not actually implementing anything new or creating something different. You're just solving what's already happened. Yeah. And I get it because at Lobstergram, we literally did 50% of our, cause we are a gift company. We did 50% uh, of our business in November and December. So <laughs> We had processes, that's for sure, because we would have never survived, right? I mean, you go from shipping uh, 100 packages a day to like from four, three, four, five thousand a day. You need some pretty damn good processes. But <laughs> it still was chaos, no matter what it was. I wish I would have had EOS implemented in my at Lobster Graham back then, but mm -hmm. it all you seemed to work out. Lean it forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, Dan, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, where can folks find you online? So uh, you could go to www.for, the number four, M-O-R-E-S dot com, fourmores.com. And uh, or you can call me at 847-814-4123. Uh, I'm always right. That's my cell number. So be careful of that out there. Uh, don't abuse it. Uh, but 
seriously, you know, if anybody has a question, they just need some help. Uh, my website, you can drop me a, you know, a line or whatever. Um, but one of my core values is here to help. And I really live through that. Yeah. I'll uh, put all that information in the show notes as well. Um, and then second, Dan, what is a piece of wisdom uh, that you would leave uh, with the folks listening to help them elevate themselves, their communities, and the world? Okay, well, this is a piece. Usually, I always speak from experience, but I this is the advice I give people. I tell them, I say, don't give up. And I've seen this where people are, you know, especially a startup, okay? You're, you're just thinking of, you're climbing up Mount Everest, right? You're climbing, you're climbing, you're climbing. And it's so easy to just quit, right? Oh, my, my I don't have enough ropes. Or, oh, my tent blew away. Or this and this and that, right? And if they just went up that next level, they'd be at the top. Mm. And you just never really know when you're going to hit that. It could be the next week, could be the next month, could even be the next year. Um, but you just got to keep moving forward. And I think that's the key. Don't quit. Love that. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. The, uh, the way that I love to close out these shows is with acknowledgement. So, Dan, are you open to me acknowledging you? I am sure. <laughs> cool. I'm honored. Um, so, yeah. So, Dan, there's, um, there's actually a couple of things I really want to acknowledge you for. Um, first and foremost, I, I really just want to acknowledge you for your commitment to service. Like, I totally get that not only from a business perspective, but also just like from a life perspective, the thing mm -hmm. that lights you up and um, has you feel like you're making an impact is serving other people, um, supporting people and building businesses that work for them, that they're not a slave to, that helps them create really incredible experiences for their employees, where their employees get to have the lives that they want. Um, thanks for being so committed to service in, you know, being able to and being willing to go out and have conversations with folks just <laughs> pro bono, just because you understand what it's like to be in their shoes and to go through that kind of experience. Um, thanks for your humility. Like I really, it's, it's so funny sitting here talking to you because you're so down to earth and you're so willing to talk about all the, all these different pieces of your life and your business. Um, and it's so clear that you've learned a ton, gone through a ton, achieved a ton. Um, and I, I just love your approach to it because it makes it seem so accessible. And I know that the people who are listening are going to get that exact same kind of experience where it's like, yeah, holy crap, I could do that. You know, I could go out and uh, create that kind of thing or create that business. Um, thanks for being a visionary. Uh, thanks for being really focused, being really focused on systems and like being someone who's looking at pushing forward concepts and frameworks and systems that help everyone win. Um, thanks for your authenticity. Thanks for being a leader. Um, thanks for bringing your levity and your joy. Um, it's super palpable. And I always just, the, cu the couple of conversations that we've had, I always walk away um, feeling lighter. So thanks for the work that you do. Thanks for who you are out in the world. And um, thanks for being on this show. Wow. Well, it's my pleasure. And, and thanks for inviting me. Uh, I always love to give my experience here 
um, to help people out there because you're right. I made a lot of mistakes out there and, uh, and I'll still make some more, but, uh, you know, you can have a little fun too. That always helps. Totally. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.